way. Amen. I was thinking the whole time she was singing. I know him. Yes, I know. I know that remedy. I know him personally. What a blessing. Well, Psalm 73 in your Bibles tonight, if you will, please. And I want to just speak to you a little bit about what God has laid on my heart. Uh, we're not in any kind of a series right now, and we're just trying to follow the will of the Lord. And so let me give you what the Lord gave me in just personal devotions. Psalm chapter 73 in your Bibles, and when you find your place, if you're able to stand, if you'll stand with us tonight uh, out of respect for the reading of God's Word. Psalm chapter 73. Now, let me say something real quickly, too. While, while we're away, if there's an emergency, right here's your man. Make sure you got his number, all right? And uh, and I'm picking a little, a little bit, but not, but but just a little bit. And so, seriously, if if you have an emergency while you're away, or while we're away, then I want you to contact Brother Brandon, and then of course we've got Brother David Clark, one of our deacons over here, Brother Mike Horn, one of our deacons, Brother Alan Hopkins back here, one of our deacons, and so and and it could be there may be an, an emergency take place, and so these men are here. And if there's uh, something, you know, that, that you, need, you need some help with and you contact these men and they'll be, glad to, they'll be glad to help you with that. All right, Psalm 73 in your Bibles. And look, if you will, please, at verse number one. I like how it starts. And the psalmist said, truly, God is good. Amen. What a good way to start. I've got that highlighted right there. Truly, God is good to Israel. He's good to Calvary too, isn't he? Amen. He's pretty good to Brother Steve and Miss Tammy. Truly, God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. But as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped, for I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For there are no bands in their death. In other words, they don't hurt like everybody else does. They don't have pain in their death. That's what he's saying. But their strength is firm. Now, they are not in trouble as other men. Neither are they plagued like other men. They're living wickedly. But he said, you know, they're, they don't have trouble like everybody else. Therefore, pride compasseth them about as a chain. Violence covereth them as a garment. Their eyes stand out with fatness. They have more than heart could wish. <laughs> you ever been there? You understand what he's saying? He said, I don't, I don't understand this. He said, they live wicked, and yet they've got plenty. And seem like they've got an overabundance of what they need. Their eyes stand out with fatness. They have more than heart could wish. They're corrupt and speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. They set their mouth against the heavens, and their tongue walketh through the earth. Therefore, as people return hither, and waters of a full cup are wrung out to them. And they say, How doth God know? And is there knowledge in the Most High? Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world. They increase in riches. And verily I have cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocency. For all the day long have I been plagued and chastened every morning. If I say I will speak thus, behold, I should offend against the generation of thy children. And then he said, when I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. The psalmist said, I tried to figure it out. I said, man, it just didn't make any sense. I, I, I don't understand. Why do good people die? 
Why is it that people that are living for the Lord, why, why do their loved ones die? Why is it that those that are faithful to church and reading their Bible and yet they're having a little bit of a hard time paying their bills and then these folks that don't even darken the door of a church, man, they're driving a Ferrari. And the psalmist said, I'm trying to figure this out. And he said, it's just, it's, it's too painful for me, he said. But look at verse number 17. He said, until. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then understood I their end. And I want to talk to you about that subject just a little bit tonight. Until I went into the sanctuary. You may be seated tonight. I'm not going to keep you long this evening. And uh, let's pray and we'll get right into the Bible study tonight. Father, thank you so much for your goodness. I already feel you're working. And, and maybe it's just, you know, it, it could be me. And Brother Brandon alluded, alluded to this tonight. That, Lord, sometimes we personally come in just needing a touch, maybe even more than our brothers and sisters tonight. And that could be what it is. God, I, I came in here tonight needing a breath, needing, Lord, a fresh touch tonight. And I believe you're already doing that personally in my life, and I thank you for that. But, Lord, I pray that it not only minister to me, but, God, I pray it minister to others tonight. And, uh, Lord, speak to every heart. And I pray you'll challenge us concerning this good subject this evening. And, Lord, this scripture really preaches itself. Thank you for preachers, but this preaches itself. And I, I pray, though, <clears throat> that, Lord, you'll help me as I just try to expound upon it a little bit tonight. We pray for your power and your blessing. And I pray that our blessed and wonderful Savior would receive glory and praise and honor from all that's done. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name we pray and for his sake and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Brother Allen, could you give us just a little bit more monitor up here tonight if you could, if you would. Number, number 17, he said, when I thought to know this, uh, verse 16, when I thought to know this, it was too painful for me until I went into the sanctuary of God. Until I went into the sanctuary of of God. I know we don't use that word as much anymore, the word sanctuary. The word sanctuary means the holy place of the temple or the holy place of the tabernacle. It was that place where God manifested his spirit and his presence. It was the place, the sanctuary was the place where God promised to place his name. And it was that place where Almighty God met with His people. 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 29 says, That thine eyes may be open toward this house night and day, even toward the place in which thou hast said, My name shall be there. Uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 16, which we preached from not long ago. The Bible says, For now have I chosen and sanctified this house, that my name may be there Forever, We notice here in Psalm chapter 73 as we read the psalm, we notice that the psalmist is struggling in a, in a, he's struggling in a big way. And he's just being very honest with us. Of course, we understand that this is under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And we understand that the psalmist is struggling. In fact, he's struggling so severely that he's literally at the point of absolute failure. You'll notice in verse number 2, he said, But as for me, my feet were almost gone. He said, uh, my steps had well nigh slipped. In other words, man, I was just about, I just about had it. I was just about done for. And I, I, and I thought about this tonight, church. Did you know that many 
just like the psalmist are struggling in this day and time because the sanctuary in many respects has been forsaken. Uh, many, many years ago, uh, and some of our older folk would know this to be true, but many years ago, church attendance was just, uh, you know, it, it was just sort of a given on Sunday that you went to the house of God. You went to the sanctuary on Sunday. Uh, it's, it's just what you did. In fact, if you go way back, there was something implemented called, called the blue law, uh, where on Sunday, and, 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 even, and even me, I can remember uh, a little bit of that, that on Sunday, there just wasn't a lot of stuff open on Sunday. Uh, I mean, uh, you didn't have uh, you didn't have Walmart and the movie house and and all these uh, different things. I, I know Brother Donnie works at uh, one of the grocery retailers, and and sometimes they require him to work there on Sunday. And he's told me this before. He said, "Preacher, it's just like another day." I mean, folks just coming in, getting groceries, and uh, hadn't even thought about church, not even thinking about church. And it'd be years ago when the blue law was implemented. Uh, you know, there would be a drugstore that would be open in case folks had an emergency and needed medication. There would usually be one gas station that was open if folks just had to have some gas. But other than that, things were, were shut down on Sunday. Why? Because Sunday was known as the Lord's Day. Now, I know it's not the Sabbath. I know that. But it was the Lord's Day. And, and folk knew that. And folk had the, the habit of going to the sanctuary on Sunday. Now, they tell us that approximately 80% of all churches in North America have reached a plateau or are declining. In fact, in 1990, uh, statistics tell us that 20.4% of Americans attended church on a given weekend. But in 2000, that statistic went down to 18.7. And in 2005, it went down again to 17.5. And in 2010, Yet again, it decreased to 16.2. And in 2020, which is just one year, not even a year away from us right now, they estimate that only 14% of Americans will go to the house of God on Sunday. And by the way, I'm talking about any house of God. I'm not talking about a Bible-believing church. I'm talking about uh, in 2020, 14% of Americans will go to any kind of church. Now, brother... It's no wonder that we're battling over, uh, you know, pulling a baby out of the womb and then sticking a knife in the back of its head, and we've got politicians that are legislating for that uh, uh, up on Capitol here right now. No wonder, buddy, buddy, because we're living in a nation that's backslid on God because we have forsaken the house of the Lord. I was looking just even uh, just the last little bit, reading an article in Forbes magazine, and it said this is how successful people spend their weekend and that caught my eye and I read the read the article and it listed all kind of things that successful people do on their weekend they exercise on the weekend they check emails on the weekend they reflect on the whatever that means they reflect on the weekend they uh, spend time with their family on the weekend and as I read this article I found out that church was not even mentioned worship was not even mentioned. Now, I, now again, Calvary, my point tonight is this. No wonder we're struggling. No wonder we're having a time in America because we have forsaken the house of the Lord. We've forsaken the sanctuary. Now, I want to give you a, a, a few thoughts real quickly tonight, some things that the sanctuary did for the psalmist. 
And I believe, by the way, that the sanctuary will do the same thing for you. How about this, number one, quickly. We notice, first of all, the sanctuary enlightened him. It enlightened him. Now look at Psalm chapter 73 and verse number 3. And the psalmist said, For I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. But look at verse 17. He said, Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then understood I therein. In other words, the psalmist got to the point in his life where he believed that, man, the wicked were prospering and, and it was beginning to look like maybe it would be better to live a wicked life and not a godly life and a, and a bad life and not a righteous life. And he was beginning to sort of buy into that mentality until he went to the house of the Lord. And when he went to the sanctuary, you know what? He was enlightened. Now, I said that, say this, uh, church, if we're not careful, Satan will have us believe in all kind of stuff. Did you know that? If you stay away from the church, Satan will have you believe in all kind of things. I mean, he'll have you believing that uh, everybody's against you. He'll have you believing that nobody cares about you. He'll have you believing that, that life's not worth living and, and how many, how many uh, reports of suicide have we heard recently just in this community? Now, why? I'll tell you why. Because if you stay away from the sanctuary, Satan will come and he'll begin to try to, uh, uh, begin to, try to convince you of things that are not true. Now, wait a minute now. But when you come to the house of God, one of the things that God uses the sanctuary for is to enlighten us. Now, I wrote several things down here. How about this? It enlightens us by Scripture. By Scripture. Uh, John chapter 8, verse 32. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And somebody says, preacher, why don't you see things like uh, the world sees things because thank God Scripture has made me free. And uh, you say, Pastor, why are we not confused about abortion? Why are we not confused uh, like the United Methodist Church right now that's in a major, major battle? And thank God, by the way, that some in the United Methodist Church have took a stand, uh, but it looks like that movement's probably going to split wide open. Uh, and uh, why are we not confused about homosexuality? By the way, there's not a homosexual I don't love but I don't love their lifestyle. And I'm not supposed to love their lifestyle. Why? Because we've been made free by the Scripture. This is all I'm saying. When you come to the sanctuary, you get enlightened. And you get enlightened by Scripture. And God begins to, God begins to shine the light of the truth upon those things in your life. Psalm 119, verse 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And so it enlightens by Scripture. How about this? It enlightens concerning salvation. Salvation. Boy, thank God the sanctuary was the place that showed me my need of Jesus. Man, I, and I visited just for a little bit with my parents today, and I thank God that I had parents that loved me enough to take me to the sanctuary. And take me to the house of God. And my mom and dad were sort of old school. And you've heard my stories. But they were. They were sort of old school. And especially my mom. And they may be watching tonight. And so, Mom, I love you. Amen. If you're watching. And uh, they've been watching on Sundays. Mom's been sick. They haven't been able to get out. Mom's been watching. And, uh, but boy, I thank God that I had a mom and dad that, that took us to the sanctuary. And we get up on Sunday morning like kids, you know. Didn't take us but five minutes to get ready. And, man, you just sort of brush your hair over, you know. And, I'd throw on my plaid pants and and uh, put on my uh, my double hole belt and and anyway, 
and uh, my purple and white suede shoes. And man, I was ready to go, brother. I need to tell you. And, uh, and so we'd go in the living room. We'd turn on the television. And we'd start watching the Three Stooges. Or we'd start watching Woody Woodpecker. And <clears throat> my mom would come in there and she'd say, turn that off. Mom, turn that off. She said, that doesn't prepare your heart for the word. And she said, we're getting ready to go to the house of God in just a little bit. And you need to start preparing your heart for the word. Man, now that's old-fashioned. That's old-fashioned. But thank God I had an old-fashioned mama like that uh, that said you need God to speak to you when you go to the house of God. And it did. It enlightened me concerning salvation. How about this? It enlightens concerning sin. The psalmist is saying, once I came to the sanctuary, I realized something. I realized that the ungodly are not near as happy as what I thought. I mean, the devil came and said, boy, they're just having a good old time. And then he said, but I went to the sanctuary. And he said, when I went to the, the sanctuary, he said, I understood therein the right kind of church will enlighten its people concerning the dangers of sin. The right kind of church will warn its people of the dangers of alcohol. The right kind of church will warn its people of the dangers of immorality. The right kind of church will warn its people of the dangers of drug, of, of drug abuse or drug use or greed or pride or gossip. And someone said about sin, that sin will keep you longer than you want to stay and it'll cost you more than you want to pay and how true that is. And thank God I go to a church where we just tell it like it is. Amen. And I, amen. That's the kind of church I want to be a part of. Now, the church enlightens. That's what I'm saying. The church enlightens. The sanctuary, it enlightens. And I remember, I remember many years ago on a Sunday morning, man, we still had, we still had our red carpet on the floor. We had our white homemade pews with their red upholstery. How many remember that? We got, I got, yeah, I got several, several in here tonight. And uh, we, were, we were having a Sunday morning service, and Ronald Deems walked in the back door. And, uh, and I knew Ronald. I'd met him one other time. In fact, Brother Lyndon, you and I were out making a visit, and that's where I first met Ronald Deems. He was the town drunk. And when I saw Ronald that night when we were together, his face was about as blood red as it could be. I don't remember him even having white in his eyes. His eyes were so bloodshot. I remember him leaning over against the wall. We, we saw him at a garage. And he was leaning against the wall. He was intoxicated. And he was known as the town drunk. And one Sunday morning, Ronald Deans walked in the back door and sat right back there about where Levi's at. And when we saw him come in, we thought, what, what's Ronald doing here? And then, you know, and I know we shouldn't think this, but we thought, well, he, he, he probably don't have anything to eat. He probably needs a handout, probably needs some help. And so we expected for Ronald to come up and ask for some. Well, you know what? He never did. He stayed in the service. He stayed in his place. We preached that day, gave, gave the invitation, and Ronald Deans stepped out and walked down the aisle. He came down the front. I took Ronald by the hand. I said, Ronald, it's good to see you today. What can we do for you? He said, Preacher, I need to be saved. I said, well, good. Praise God. 
I got one of our men, and uh, they did personal work with Ronald, and, and Ronald accepted Christ as Savior. Now, wait a minute now. I know this is carnal, but y'all pray for me. Amen. But I still, and I was glad he got saved, but I still expected Ronald to come up and say, Now, preacher, I don't have anything to eat. I need some groceries. You know what he left that day? He never said a word about money. He never said a word about groceries. He, he left, and we rejoiced about Ronald's decision, and he didn't have a car. He just had a bicycle that he'd drive. I don't think anybody really hung around Ronald. He had a little dog that stayed with him. And, and, uh, but you know what? We came back for the Sunday night service. Guess whose bike pulled in? Ronald Deans pulled in. Ronald Deans walked in, sat right back there in that same, same place, and we thought, whoa, what's Ronald doing here? He stayed for the service. Guess what happened Wednesday night? A bike pulled in the parking lot, and Ronald Deans came back, and then he came back again, and then he came back again. Ronald had, a, had a, a, a one pair of blue Dickies, like a, a pair of work pants. That he, that's all he had, and he had a blue, like a blue Dickies work shirt. That's all he had. But I noticed now when Ronald came, he'd start tucking his shirt tail in. And then Ronald got him a Bible. And Ronald started carrying, carrying a Bible into the house of the Lord. And he came service after service after service after service. And I honestly believe that God was doing something great in his life. And Ronald was, it wasn't long after that that Ronald passed away prematurely. I believe God took him to heaven. We buried him right out here in our cemetery. Now you say, preacher, why did that happen? I'll tell you why. Because a town drunk went to the sanctuary. And when he came to the sanctuary, thank God, God was working. And God got a hold of his heart. And God enlightened him about his need of Jesus. And thank God, Ronald Dean was a town drunk. But he gave his heart and life to Christ and got saved. You say, oh, preacher, do you really believe it? With all of my heart, I believe it. And I'll tell you why. Because after we preached Ronald's funeral, I went to visit some of his buddies I went to visit some of his drinking buddies. I remember going to Ireland Memorial Hospital to visit one of his buddies. And when I walked in, I said, hey, I'm Ronald Dean's pastor. Is it true, preacher? Is it true? What, what? We heard Ronald got religion. Ronald got religion. I said, Ronald didn't get religion. Ronald got a relationship. Amen. With the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, wait a minute now. What are you saying? I'm saying that the sanctuary uh, enlightened the psalmist. How about this quickly? Number two, I love this. The sanctuary emboldened him. It emboldened him. Now look at Psalm 73, verse 26. He said, my flesh and my heart faileth. Well, I like this next line. He said, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever for lo, they are far from thee. Uh, far from thee shall perish. Thou hast destroyed all them that go a-whoring from thee. But it is good for me to draw near to God. Look at this last line. He said, I have put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all thy works. Man, I'm going to talk about him. I'm going to preach about him. I'm going to sing about him. I'm going to praise about him. And we notice here that the sanctuary emboldened the psalmist. By the way, that's what the sanctuary does. It emboldens you. When I was putting this message together, I was thinking about you. Ask you a question. How many years ago did you get saved? Ten years. So 12 years ago, if we would have come to you and said, hey, how about filling the pulpit? What do you think the likelihood is that you'd have done that? 
<laughs> that's right. That's right. Brother Justin, what do, you, what do you think the likelihood would have been? How long have you been saved now? 11 years. Let's throw it in reverse about 12 or 13. What do you think the likelihood is that you would have stood in front of a, a crowd of two or 300 people and preached a funeral yesterday like you did? That's right. You say, what's the difference? I'll tell you what the difference is. Sanctuary. Man, when you come to the sanctuary, the sanctuary emboldens you. And by the way, church, if we've ever needed, and I'm not mad. I'm, I'm not mad tonight. I'm really not. But I am righteously indignant. And I really, I honestly, I, I watched Fox News some today, but I had to, I had to cut it off because it's not good for my spirit. And I feel myself. I can feel myself getting in the flesh. And uh, But wait a minute now. If we've ever needed a place that will help us to be bold, we need it now. Because everything in our society is telling Bible believers like you and like me to hush and to sit down and to shut up and to get in the closet. And, and uh, uh, we know you've got these wacky beliefs, but don't you say anything. And brother, it's time that some Christians, not unkindly, not with a mean spirit, but it's time that some Christians stood up and said, hey, there are some rights and there are some wrongs and we ought to stand for what's right. Right. Now the house of the Lord does that. It emboldens you. I put this down church. It's like an old-fashioned pep rally. Remember the pep rally before the big football game? And man, the band would play, and man, they'd, they'd get you so pumped up, man, you couldn't wait for the, for the opposing team to come. And thank God that's what the sanctuary is all about. It emboldens you. Listen to this story. Hugh Latimer once preached before King Henry VIII. Henry was greatly displeased by the boldness in the sermon and ordered Latimer to preach again on the following Sunday and apologize for the offense he had given. The next Sunday after reading his text, he thus began his sermon. Hugh Latimer, dost thou know before whom thou art this day to speak? To, to the high and mighty monarch, the king's most excellent majesty, who can take away thy life if thou offendest. Therefore take heed that thou speakest not a word that may displease. But then consider well, Hugh, dost thou not know from whence thou comest, upon whose message thou art sent, even by the great and mighty God who is all present and who beholdeth all thy ways and who is able to cast thy soul into hell. Therefore take care that thou deliverest thy message faithfully. He then preached the same sermon he had preached the preceding Sunday and preached it with considerably more energy. And that's what I'm talking about. Man, just boldness, boldness. And God give us some holy boldness at Calvary Baptist Church to stand up for what's right. How about this? How about this? Number next. Is the sanctuary not only enlightened, not only emboldened him, but the sanctuary equipped him. Now look at Psalm 73 again, verse 21. Thus my heart was grieved, he said, and I was pricked in my reins. He said, so foolish was I and ignorant. I was as a beast before thee. Nevertheless, I am continually with thee. Thou hast... Hold me by my right hand. Look what he says. Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel 
and after will receive me to glory. You know what he's saying? The sanctuary gave him what he needed. The sanctuary equipped him, which is exactly what Christ designed his church to do. I'll not make you turn there. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints. Look up that word perfecting. You know what it means? Equipping. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And so this is all I'm saying tonight, church. There's something pretty special about this place. And we can't explain it all. Even us preachers can't explain it all. There's just something about this place. And you know what? You just you do good just to get here. I mean, listen, some services are way up here and others are sort of down here. But you know what? You'd be good to get here. And you'd be good to have your kids here. And you'd be good to, to make sure you try to get your wife here and your husband here and your family here. Why? Because, uh, because the sanctuary enlightens and the sanctuary emboldens and the sanctuary equips. But we're done tonight. How about this? We notice the sanctuary enabled him. It enabled him. And when I say enabled him, I mean it enabled him to keep on going. Look what he says. Psalm 73 verse 2. He said, but as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. That's Union Grove talk for, I was getting ready to quit. Man, I'd had enough. I mean, I was getting ready to throw in the towel. But, he said, but. He said, I made my way to the sanctuary, and it gave me what I needed to go another day. Just personal testimony. How many times have I walked in this place dragging? Spiritually. Now I may have put on my game face. I may have smiled and said, hey, good to see you. But you know what? There was something going on inside. Maybe there was a battle. Maybe there was a valley. How many times have I, have I walked in this place dragging? How many times have you come in this place spiritually? You just crawled. I mean, you just crawled in here and nobody knew your burden and nobody knew your problem. And, and to be honest with you, your flesh didn't want to come and it fought all the, the way here, but you made it come. And you know what? You did the right thing. And just as sure as you came, God showed up. And God gave you exactly, God gave you exactly what you needed. And you know what? And throughout the service, you could feel the Spirit of God working in your life and encouraging you. And I'm just getting, I'm about to get happy right now just thinking about it. And blessing you and helping you and strengthening you. What is that? That's the sanctuary. That's what it's all about. The sanctuary. People sometimes leave here and they shake my hand and they say, Preacher, how did you know? How did you know? Well, I didn't know. But he knew. <laughs> he knew. And he loves you so much that he sent you a special word. He sent you a special telegram. Oh, you say coincidence. Coincidence, my high brother. That's a holy, almighty God that loves you tonight. How many times? I'll be, listen, I'll be honest. I'll be honest with you. Sunday night, I just felt like, Sunday night, I just felt like, you ever felt like you just couldn't get it in the right gear? Man, I just felt like I, I, I couldn't get it in the right gear Sunday night. I felt strong about the message, but I just felt like I couldn't get it in the right gear. And I didn't feel good about the service as far as my part, not your part, but my part. 
Singing was great. Choir did great. There was a good spirit here. I enjoyed the prayer room. I mean, it was good, but I just felt like the message, it just didn't, it just didn't go where I wanted it to go. But after the service, a visitor walked up with tears in their eyes and said, Pastor, what you said tonight especially ministered to my heart. And they began to tell me, they began to tell me some things that were going on in their life. And I thought, yes, that's my God. That's my God. I mean, and by the way, how many know this? It's not, it's not based on me and you anyway. It's all based on Him. Man, that's all I'm saying. I'm thankful for the sanctuary. And you know, sanctuary too. You know another definition of sanctuary? Sanctuary is a safe place. It's a safe place, a haven. And I'm going to tell you what, buddy, this is a safe place. This is a haven right here. Boy, you come in from the world sometimes. Man, it's just so good to be a part of a sanctuary like this. Don't let anything ever stand in the way of the sanctuary. Let's bow our heads tonight. Father, thank you so much for this time we've had together tonight. And God, even though I was the one doing the preaching, you ministered to my heart while I was preaching tonight. I want to thank you so much for my church. God, I love this place, love this people. God, time and time and time and time again, countless times, I walk in here and I get so ministered to. Just the fellowship, just being around these folks that I call my church family. And God, sometimes I come in discouraged, but I leave so encouraged. Thank you for the sanctuary. God, thank you for this place. God, I pray that you'll continue to, to bless it. God, as we build this brand new building, I pray all it will do is, is just expand the sanctuary. I pray it'll, it'll expand the safe place where more people can come and hear about Jesus. And I pray that we'll continue to lift up the Savior. Father, bless in this time of invitation. Maybe somebody needs to come tonight. Maybe someone needs to, to recommit to their faithfulness to the sanctuary. Maybe there's somebody here tonight and Lord, they've sort of got away from it. And tonight they just need to come and just say, Lord, tonight I'm rededicating my life to the sanctuary. I'm going to be here. I'm going to be in my place. I'm going to be in my seat, as Brother Cox preached a number of weeks ago. God bless this invitation, please. We thank you and love you now. In Jesus' name. Let's all stand tonight, if you will. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Hey, listen, invitation's extended. If you need to come, the altar's open. You know, it could be tonight you just need to tiptoe down here and say, Lord Jesus, thank you for the sanctuary. <laughs> I'm so thankful. You come tonight. While we wait, 